Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our series, When the Spirit Moves. Over the course of this series, we're taking a look at just what it looks like practically when we submit to the Spirit of God. And through the book of Mark, Jesus gives us very practical, hands-on ways that we can follow Him. And so over the course of these few weeks, we're going to be digging in in ways that you can apply in your life how to live for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you would like more information, you can go to our website, nexuschurchmn.com. You can look us up on Facebook. You can message us, and we would love to get connected with you. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back to our second week in our series that we've entitled, When the Spirit Moves. Now, this week, we are looking at a parable that Jesus told. In fact, we're looking at two very short parables today, or stories that have a meaning to our everyday life that Jesus told to his followers. And in these two stories, we can glean out one very powerful truth that I hope you will be encouraged by today. And that is this fact that when we partner with God, transformations can occur, not just in your life, but specifically in lives around you. And so let's take a look at Mark chapter 4, and we will be reading verses 26 through 34 today. Now, this whole chapter of chapter 4 is filled with stories that Jesus told about seeds. Uh, we've talked in particular on verses 1 through 9 earlier, and we will allude to it in a little bit, but we won't go back over that one in detail today uh, for time's sake. But in verse 26 of Mark 4, Jesus started out his parable by saying, The kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. He begins his second story by saying, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all seeds in the ground. And when sown, it will come up and grow taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. Now, let's back up and explain one thing that Jesus doesn't explicitly say in this passage, and that is the fact that in order for seeds to be sown, there needs to be a sower. There needs to be, in modern day terms, a farmer. 
in order for anything to happen in this life, there needs to be something that starts it, right? There has to be an originator. In order for this world to be created, we understand that there had to be a cause. There had to be a reason for existence. We believe as Christians that that is God. God is the originator of all life. But in order for these little lives to be produced, in order for seeds to be sown and then grow into something else of their likeness, there has to be a planter, there has to be a farmer, there has to be a sower. Now we read in 1 Timothy 2, 4, that God desires for everyone to be saved. And, and Jesus in this parable is really relating that to this story. He's, he's trying to help us understand here, though we could take this many different directions today, I believe that Jesus really is trying to help us understand a kingdom understanding of how a person can, can come into the kingdom of God. It's a principle that, that we see throughout scriptures, and, and we get that implanted in us in 1 Timothy 2.4, where Paul says, that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God desires all men to be saved. He desires all people, all of humanity to be saved, and the way he does that is through us. We read that in Romans 10, in particular, verse 14, where Paul cries out, who can be saved unless one is sent and delivers the message of the gospel? We are that messenger. You and I all have a job to do, and that is to sow seeds of the gospel, to plant that truth of who Jesus is. But then the, the, the passage goes in depth, right? He, he doesn't necessarily say that, that we are that farmer, that we are that sower, that we are that planter, but he indicates that there's somebody who sows it. But the whole point of this message really boils down to the fact that Jesus is here saying, the farmer doesn't understand it, the sower doesn't understand it, but something happens when it is sown. Something happens to that seed that only God knows, that only God instills, and that is life. You see, much like the farmer sows that seed, we sow the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the fact that we need to understand the truth of the gospel, that we are not who we were meant to be. We are meant to be with God forever. When we deliver that truth, then God does something with it in a person's life. And he multiplies it. And as, as we see in the mustard seed, he takes something so small, so seemingly insignificant. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, in fact, if I held up a mustard seed for you right now, you couldn't even see it. It is that small. But when it's put into the ground and it miraculously sprouts up through the nature that God created, it grows into this beautiful tree that it gets so big that even a bird can nest in it and find shelter. And it becomes bigger than any other plant in the garden. That's the power 
of what the Holy Spirit does inside of a person when we deliver that truth. God is responsible for the transformation, but we are the ones to deliver. See, when we partner with God, transformation happens. Transformation happens in lives. And so what does that look like practically? How do we take this this very basic message that, that Jesus delivers, right? It's not complicated. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to understand the simple truth of what Jesus is saying here. What do we do with it, though? What do we do with the fact that that God has given us this task to be the sower, to be the one who plants that seed into the ground of somebody's life? And then God takes it and miraculously brings life out of that. What do we do with that? How can we apply that? in our lives today? What can you do to partner with God to transform a life? Well, I don't assume that everybody understands how farming works. And so today, I just want to start with that concept. That's what Jesus is doing right here. He's relating a story to the people that are around him so that they can understand the spiritual truth that that comes alive in their perspective, in their understanding, in their world. So let's take that, and let's break it down to what Jesus was saying here. Now, if you don't know anything about farming, one of the most important things that a farmer must do before he ever decides to plant a seed of any kind is to prepare the soil. So in our lives, We must do something in the heart of the person who we want to see come alive in Jesus, who we want to see that transformation happen. You see, we all have loved ones who may be far away from God. Maybe you are far away from God right now, and maybe somebody is doing this in your life. You see, God prepares our hearts. And he uses people to do that. And so if you are trying to see transformation in a person's life, it begins with preparing the soil of their lives, of their hearts. Now, in farming, in order to do that, you you have to till up a ground. You have to get rid of rocks, get rid of weeds. And then... You need to start putting in nutrients. You need to start putting in water. You need to give it adequate sunlight. And so if you're seeing a farm field and there's no trees around, why is that? It's because the the crops, the seeds need sun. So that's what we need to do in the lives of those we love, that we want to see transformation happen to. We need to prepare the soil. We need to serve. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 20, verses 26 and 28. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus was talking to a mother in this in this interchange that we read in Matthew 20. He he was talking to two of his main disciples, his mom. 
She came up and she wanted her sons to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because she understood that Jesus' kingdom wasn't of this earth. It was of heaven. And so when she comes, she says, Jesus, what, what must my sons do to be at the right hand of you? To be at the most powerful position in the kingdom of God. I'll do anything. And what does Jesus turn around and say? You must be a servant. It's not about about being great. It's not about having people bow down at your feet. It's about serving people. In fact, I came to give my life for others. I came to give my all. And boy, out of that heart of love and serving and preparing the soil of those around him, he saw transformation for generations to come. You see, if we want to see transformations, we've got to love. We have to till up that soil by caring, showing affection, maybe giving when it's not easy. We need to, to pour in nutrients. And then we need to to get rid of garbage, right? There's so many misconceptions of who Jesus is. People have so many beliefs of what, what a Christian is, and, and so much of it is tainted and skewed. And so we need to get rid of all those weeds, all the rock that will, that will crowd out the seed from growing. You see, just earlier in Mark chapter 4, verses 1, all the way through verse 9, we've, we've talked about this recently, so I won't get into it, but there is four soils in that parable that have seed planted into them, but only one of them grows. Only one of them produces and, and it, it just expands. You see, we, we understand that God wants all people to be saved, and so every single one of those soils, God wants those soils to produce, to, to create new life. God is, God is not about death. He's about life. And so in those four soils, only one of them produces. That breaks God's heart. And why is it that only one produced? I believe it's because proper attention was given to the soil, to the heart, so that it would produce. Now, it doesn't say that explicitly in that passage, but I believe that that is the heart of what Jesus is getting at in these stories is that, is that there's proper care given to the soil in order for that seed to be planted and produce. But after Jesus goes through that parable and, and teaches a little bit on it, he comes to this powerful truth that, yes, you need to prepare the soil. You need to get rid of the weeds. You need to love. You need to serve. You need to get ready and you also need to deliver the truth. You know, we, we in America are so polar. Either we are just bashing the truth and, and have no heart and, and we just beat people up. Or we go on the other side, we just serve and love and, and care. We never deliver the truth. And so today, I want to encourage you that first we serve, we love, we prepare the soil. But then we must also deliver the truth. We have to tell the truth. And maybe, it, maybe it's because you've, you've seen people abuse the truth over the course of your life and, and you see the bad side of religion. Or maybe you're just not confident and, you, and you're really weak-kneed. I know I've been there in my life where 
I get up and I want to say something to somebody and I'm just scared. I'm not confident in, in what I'm going to say to them is going to be received. I, I question whether or not I'm going to have the wisdom in to say the right things and, and look stupid and, and just mess everything up. But we have to, have to, have to deliver the truth because as Romans 10, 14 said, if we don't go, if we don't deliver that truth, they can't be saved. Somebody's got to deliver it. Somebody's got to be that feet and that mouthpiece to, to bring the truth and deliver it. And so today, if, if that's you and, and you're just insecure about, about what to say, it's just two basic things that you need to share with a person. Just start there. Just start there. First, deliver the fact that we fail God. That throughout scriptures, you can, you can read all over the Bible, and we can see that people constantly fail God. And because of that, the consequences are eternal separation from God. That's found in Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The effects of sin all over the Bible relates to separation from God. We see it in Israel. We see it in people of Israel in particular stories. And then we see it in the Gospels where people turn from Jesus and he cast them out. So we need to deliver the truth, the fact that we are far from God, but then we also need to deliver the good news, right? That's why it's so good because, well, we have an eternal separation from God, but he prepared a way through Jesus so that when we believe in him, we understand that he was sent from God and that he paid the price for us to be right with God. We can be saved. That's what you need to deliver. I know it seems so hard and, and it gets so cloudy and there's so much that gets us confused. But the simple truth of the gospel that we need to tell them after we prepare the soil is that without Jesus, they're going to be eternally separated from God in a place of torment. But God prepared a way through Jesus. Jesus said it perfectly in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one can come to the Father. No one can have eternal life but through me. So we bring that to them. And then we give them the opportunity to put their faith in Jesus, right? To believe that Jesus is the only way and that we need to make him the ruler of our life and take ourselves off the throne and put him where he belongs. That's what we need to deliver to the people. So we prepare the soil, and then we sow the truth as we read in this passage, right? We prepared the soil, and that's what Mark 4, 1 through 9 was all about. We prepared the soil. We made it so that it would receive the seed. Then we deliver the truth, which is sowing the seed into the ground, and then this is the power of this passage today. So we have to trust Jesus. We pray that God will keep working in their heart in some day, some way, that that opportunity that we gave them to believe in Jesus, that it will happen, that they will trust in Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, 
will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You see, that's what we need to crawl, cry out to God about. Is Jesus, I am trusting that you are going to continue to work in this person's life until you bring them home or you come back to earth to take us home with you. Whatever comes first, I'm going to continue to trust that you are going to work. You're going to continue to work, and I will be available when you need me to step in and be the hands and feet of Jesus when you want me to. But I'm trusting you. I can't be the one that changes the person's heart. I can't be the one that creates that, that transformation inside. Only Jesus can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. He he creates that life. He is the originator of life, both physically and spiritually, and he can bring it to life. Trust him. And here's the beautiful thing, is that we need to be ready. How does he finish off the first parable? He says this, as soon as the crop is ready, he sends the harvester. You see, Jesus is waiting. He's, he's using the Holy Spirit to work in that person's life, and he is expecting that person to have a transformation happen. He wants it worse than you do. And so whether that person you're thinking of is a loved one, a coworker, a classmate, a friend, a family member, or if it's you, God is in the business of transforming lives. And he partners with you to make it happen. And so today, what, what I would like more than anything else is for you to make that public stand for that transformation to happen. And so maybe if you're following along online, you can leave a comment of that person who you are believing God to transform so that we can pray with you because there is power in prayer. James powerfully says that in chapter 4, that, that there is power in prayer, and it works. It works. And so stand. Make that pr public proclamation. Write it in the comments or, or contact us at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com or Facebook message us, whatever works for you so that we can be praying with you. We have a board on the back of our sanctuary that just has the simple word, connect one. And we put names up there, people that we are praying for, that we would see them be transformed that we would see them come to Jesus. And so if you have a person today that you're praying for, or maybe it's you, you need prayer. You want to, to see a change happen in your life. Let us know so we can be praying with you. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see lives changed. So Father, I pray right now for those people who are writing names down or typing names down or praying about their own journey and their need for transformation. God, I pray that you would work in hearts because, God, I know as I pray, things are happening. You are moving, not because of me or anything special I've done, but because that is the way you created it. You created prayer so that things will happen. 
I don't get it. Nobody ever will get it. But that's how you work. And so we trust you. And we ask, God, that you would transform lives, that you would do a work right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family online, for joining us today. We will see you again soon.